Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, I sat down with comedians Amber Falter and Brian Doney to talk about the Columbus comedy scene, how they work, and their current tour. I think that their advice to aspiring comedians can provide some insight for all of us who are looking for a better path. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. The Confluence Cast is sponsored by Art Makes Columbus, Columbus Makes Art, featuring stories about our city's incredible artists, stories full of inspiration, challenge, passion, and success. For videos, articles, and an up-to-the-minute calendar of events and an artist directory, visit columbusmakesart.com the resource for all things arts and culture in the capital city. Enjoy the interviews. Sitting down here with Amber Falter and Brian Doney, two Columbus comedians who are, at the time you are hearing this, are on the road on their first tour together. Amber, how are you? I'm lovely. Good. Brian? <laughs> I am doing fantastic. First of all, just a quick introduction to the tour. You guys are on a tour entitled Have You Seen My Mom? You'll be doing the finale of your tour on December 5th at the Garden Theater. People can get information on the Facebook and the Twitter, I assume, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you want to do. Where would they find info? Uh, you can go to my Facebook page. You can also, if you're friends with Amber, you can go there as well. Okay. Um, also, my website, com has a link to the uh, event where you can purchase tickets. Great. Now, and actually. that's Brian with an I, Doney, D-O-N-E-Y. Yes, just com. Great. Brian, how did you get into comedy? I got into comedy from doing uh, my high school talent show. Okay. There was just a bunch of music acts and I was the first non-music act and I think also the first uh, comedian too. And uh, I did about 10 minutes for a big audience of my friends and teachers. And (laughs) uh, I was 17 at the time and after that I tried, there wasn't much of a comedy scene or I couldn't find it on the web. Where Where was that? Uh, my high school? Yeah. It was, I, I live, I, I still live up in Dublin with my dad. So I went gotcha. to Dublin Kaufman and okay. uh, after, after that I, I wanted to do more shows. So I put myself on Craigslist and did a, a few random Craigslist shows uh, for like a new year's party, some graduation shows. I told jokes at a strip mall at one point. Hold on a second. So you literally put yourself out there and was like, I will charge you a nominal fee and I will come and tell jokes. I wish I was that confident in myself. No, I was more like, I will, if you just give me a microphone, I will talk for half an hour. Uh, the, the first time I got paid was at the New Year's party. It was the second time I performed and I did half an hour. I went on right after a clown. That was really nice. And <laughs> I, I, he asked me, like, how much do you want to get paid? And I Because you were it. splitting it with the clown? No. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Me and the clown did not come together. Uh, oh, okay. I did not tour with a clown. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, um, he asked me, how much did you, how, how much do you want to get paid or how much do you charge? And I, this is my second time doing it. And I was just like, $10? <laughs> really? <laughs> For half an hour of work. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay, yeah. I mean that beats minimum wage, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it, <laughs> technically, yeah. Okay, um, that was the most I gotten paid at that point in my life. And um, so you, so yeah. that was what, like a couple dozen sh- or a cup, like half a dozen shows in. That was that ten dollars was my second show. Okay, so you didn't when you got into it, you weren't really like sort of working the material, if you will, right? Does that make sense? Because yeah. at least my my passive understanding from now that sort of there's this democratization of stand-up comedy that like I'm aware of the process. My understanding is, is that you sort of go out there, go to an open mic, work it, and then sort of build up to doing a show where people are coming and paying just to see you. Not that you haven't returned to that step, but you didn't have an understanding of it at the time. And so sort of went for it. Yeah, there's, I mean, there, there's definitely the you you definitely need to have a, a place to go to to do stand-up um i did not have that the first six months of me doing it i did it through a bunch of random uh craigslist shows and i, I just wrote it home and just hoped the material would work sometimes it did and sometimes it didn't and i want to understand the craigslist shows for a second you you put it wh- what category of craigslist do you put that out there in? i p- I, I think I put it under events. Okay. Um, so, if, so it's like if someone needed something for an event, they would find me. Okay. Uh, I'm not on Craigslist still, in case anyone's wondering about that. But uh, Now you have your own website that people can get in contact you with yeah. you at. But part of the reason why I had to do that was just because I was uh, I was 17 when I started. Right. And I was still under a curfew, and I was still going to <laughs> high school. And I actually tried going to Shrunken Head before they even had a comedy open mic because their music Wednesday acoustic mic said it was available to all sorts of acts. So I thought maybe they would let comedy there. But I got on the list at like 12 and it started at 9 and I had to be home by 10. So I I couldn't even go to that. (laughs) But once I graduated, that's when I started hitting all the mics like Scarlet and Gray when it used to have a mic, Shrunken Head. Um, I actually could... At the time, Surly Girl, I, I couldn't go to that mic until I turned 21 because okay. it was a it was strict 21 and up bar. And I was going to ask how old you are, but I don't need to now because you've done it for a couple of years, obviously. You're old enough to get into the bars where you're performing. <laughs> yeah, finally. So yeah. that's good. Yeah. That's 22 good. now. And Amber, how did you start? So I... I've been doing it um, for about two, just over two years now. Okay. Um, so I think newer to the game than Brian is. Yeah. Okay. Weirdly. Um, uh, what am I, two years older than you? I think I so, think? yeah. Okay. You're what 24, right? Math, yes. Yeah. So I started oh, about, about two years ago. Yes. It's going to be awful. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, I think I started because I was like in college and I wasn't that crazy about it. Um, I like, I, I just couldn't focus. I had a lot of things going on. Um, like I had a really, um, crappy boyfriend and I like left him and I was really bummed out. And then my mom died Okay. and I just would find myself like so uninterested in school, like stuff I'm very passionate about still. Um, so I went to Ohio state for sustainable agriculture Okay. and I studied soil science. Um, I was really into it, uh, but I couldn't seem to like. I wasn't happy. Like, I, well, you, you were going through a period of grief, certainly. Sure. Yeah. So I, I think I just like was really looking for a reason to laugh or like, even like smile or like hang out with people. Okay. Um. So I think that's where it all like started. Started. But. And so was it you going to comedy just to like experience comedy, and then you were like, I could do that. That yeah. Okay. So I think more like growing up when I was going through some like just anything you go through as a child really like parents got divorced or whatever but um just to cope with a lot of that i remember just really seeking out comedies and like funny movies and just 
anything. So um, as an escape. Yeah, and okay. I, I just remember being like kind of like a spastic child and trying to make my friends laugh all the time. So I feel like that kind of I don't know. Just when I did get that attention, it was really the only positive reinforcement or like positive like feedback I was getting from anybody in my life. Okay. And I think that really translated into my adult life and dealing with grief. And so how do you, can you talk about sort of your writing process? Yeah. So I think a lot of it comes from just, I mean, personal experience, like nothing, there's not a better joke, I I think personally out there than something that's happened to you. Right. And you can write a good story about it. And a lot of people will tell me like, I can't imagine living a day in your shoes. Like, wow, what goes on in your life? I'm like really regular shit. Like, um, so it's just really normal stuff that I think that I think there's something funny in every instance and moment. And I think it's a comics job to translate it to people who can't find what's funny in that. Okay. But literally it's writing. Brian didn't really touch on this, but mm-hmm. it's sort of writing down. Okay. Here's the thing that like I feel guilty about, or I feel sad about, or I even just feel about, mm-hmm. and then translating that into comedy. A lot of your comedy, I assume both of it, is dark we should reveal at this point that both of you have mothers who have passed away yes uh untimely and that is sort of the uh the crux of the tour uh again it's called have you seen my mom yes (laughs) so what is it literally just that writing things down and then sort of like what's the punchline there or is it just this is funny because it's so sad or I feel guilty about it. Like sometimes you'll put stuff up on Facebook about, you know, having eaten Donato's pizza for three (laughs) days in a row. That's just a regular occurrence in my life. This episode of the Confluence cast is brought to you by Donato's pizza. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, I think when I have an experience, maybe I'm walking my dogs and we find a Donato's pizza in a bush, which has happened. Okay. Um, I just make notes in my phone and then when I have time to sit down, I'll look at those notes and I try to elaborate on them. Um, and I try to find what in that moment made me even put that in my phone. Right. Or maybe it is something a little bit more dark and that's when uh, I assume Brian goes through the same thing. Just when you're digging and searching for what is funny about that. Or when like when you when you like, let's say I do find something very funny about a particular like event I had growing up with my addict mother. Okay. Uh, so uh, like in my head, I've dealt with it for years. And when I look back on it now, I can laugh about it. But there's an audience in front of me who maybe has a lovely, amazing mother. Right. Um, so really the challenge there is to take this like instance and be like, listen, people are different. And like my, my mom was an addict. So this like thing that happened was really funny to me right. because well, of these reasons. Well, and because it's so different from the audience experience and also that it's not a typical thing that people would talk about in a public setting. I think that comedy, like all art, and it's why I distinguish the difference between sort of arts and crafts, is that art is meant to be challenging. And the reason why things are funny to people is because it causes a certain amount of discomfort whether that be because it's confusing to them, like a knock-knock joke, or if it's truly like, oh, I'm uncomfortable and I don't know what else to do but laugh. Like when people have you know, comedy that's race-based or class-based. Brian, anything you want to insert in there about sort of your process? 
I would just say that didn't start out telling jokes like this, telling okay. jokes about my mom or anything dark that happened to me. I Can I, I ask when your mom passed? She passed when I was around 12 or 13. Okay. And so uh, it was certainly something that happened to both of you before. It was yeah. uh, for Amber more of an impetus, but Brian, it was something that sort of you had been dealing with a lot of your sort of coming of age time. Well, I think uh, when I was, uh, and, and Amber and I have, similar relationships with our moms before before they passed away too okay but uh but i would say that when i started i just didn't think anything like that would be funny to anybody and also i spent so many years of my life dealing with it that i just wanted to forget about it for a little while so i was just being an observational goofy uh comic i still kind of am but i i once i discovered i don't know i it, it came when it came to me when uh, I came home from college at the time and I was getting the mail out of the mailbox and there was this like a flyer or some sort of like uh, marketing letter. Right. Uh, just f for some company. And the it was addressed to my mom. Okay. And it's like nine years later. And I'm like, you don't have a list or some sort of check. You don't somehow yeah. know that this person, this person is dead. Passed. Yeah. So uh, that was the initial thought. And then I started to write more. And then I was telling it to a few comedian friends and they were really enjoying it. So let's step back a little yeah. bit. When you first started, what sort of jokes would you tell? Like what sort of comedy would it, I don't want to say jokes would you tell, but like what sort of comedy would it be? Would it be uh, situational stories or would it be like just a series of one-liners there are certainly comedians in columbus that do that sort of thing i'm i am not a good one-liner comic okay. at all uh i think one of my biggest weaknesses starting out and even still to this day that amber helps me out with and so do my other friends is just uh that i actually uh, i i i i I talk too much, uh, but I, it I takes start a little bit too long between laughs. You mean basically? Um, yeah, sometimes and, or, or just that the, or just really thinking through punchlines uh, specifically when I was starting out. Okay. But the jokes I would tell were kind of more just, it was, again, it was very observational, kind of like Jerry Seinfeld, Jim Gaffigan. Okay. Um, maybe a little bit kind of like Hedberg too. Uh, that's what a lot of people told me after my first set. And okay. when they told me that I was like, Oh my God, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. No, uh, but, then after a while you're like no i i need to be myself mm -hmm. um i was also a clean comedian i i didn't talk about sex and i wouldn't uh talk about you know i wouldn't i wouldn't use any swear words either i was clean well uh, is that still true no not okay. at all <laughs> okay good enough. um by the way can you swear on this podcast you i don't want to let's, right now but it's like not but let's okay i just wanted to know what the policy was if it i have sort of the fcc rule in my head of if it's appropriate to curse then okay. it totally makes sense but if it's just like a barrage of yeah. it there's no need for it but no I, I i eventually i eventually just started to realize that for me i needed to be more myself on stage and Part of that is the fact that in stories, I, I started to sh take a shift from making silly observations to starting to tell weird stories that would happen to me either at shows or at college um, or with whoever. And I realized as I'm telling these stories, there are points where I do need to curse because I curse in my normal life. And it's I, I find it odd that I would curse in real life but not curse on stage. Um, and then eventually, uh, once I got more comfortable telling stories, uh, then I, once, once the initial thought hit me to tell 
stories about my mom, uh, it's started to just come together. Okay. Yeah. And, and I think part of my comedy now is that I'm kind of a, a kind of a weird optimist in a way, because a lot of a, a big theme that you'll see in my darker material and my mom jokes is just me kind of almost sarcastically going like, but no, this is great. Isn't this fantastic? <laughs> but no, everything's fine. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, you know, she beat me with a tennis racket, but you know, it's all right. You know, we all like, we all have those days. Um, you know, you know, Ugh. it was either beat me again or kill yourself. And out of the two, my mom chose the better option. I'm really proud of her in that respect. She made it, she made me proud. So um, no, it, that it's kind of like that. I, I, that's, that's kind of the basis of my, the darker stuff that I tell now. Okay. And you do have recorded work. We're going to take a quick break and just to get a sampling of the work that Brian's been talking about. This is a track from uh, Brian Doney's album, My Mom's Dead, recorded live at the Shrunken Head. Speaking of pools, I went to see the Deadpool movie with my girlfriend on Valentine's Day. Yeah, uh, I took you there on Valentine's Day because I wanted to see how strong our relationship was. So I'm single. No, I'm kidding. That's just something stupid comedians say to make you laugh. It worked. Um, but no, I knew our relationship would be fine because me and my girlfriend, we had a really strong bond. And that bond is made out of guilt. Guilt is the strongest bond in any relationship. If you don't believe me, just ask Stephen Hawking. Just ask him. He'll back me up on that one. I got a physicist in my corner. It's funny though, because the reason why we have so much guilt in a relationship is because when we, uh, we went to celebrate New Year's together and we thought it would be really cool by celebrating really classy, you know? And by classy, I mean we got Taco Bell Walmart wine and tried to have sex in a hot tub. Yeah. It went pretty well until she threw up on me in said hot tub. So now, whenever she's mad at me, guys, like, whenever she's mad at me, she goes, you showed up five minutes late. And I go, yeah, but you were in hot tubs for me. <laughs> like, all I think about is soup. It's terrible. <laughs> if Taco Bell made a soup, that's what that was. <laughs> I guarantee Taco Bell's gonna come up with a soup in the next year, guys. It's gonna be great. You heard it here first. But no, um, so since, we, since I have so much guilt over my girlfriend, I try to get her to do that one thing for me that I always wanted her to do. I think it's what a lot of guys want their girlfriends to do, you know, yes. that one thing. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I try to get her to um, listen to my podcast. <laughs> and it doesn't work. Because apparently there's not enough guilt in the world to get someone you love to listen to your podcast. <laughs> So, so now it's, it's, it's funny because uh, for Christmas, um, all I got were like gift cards. Um, that's all I got. So I guess nobody knows me anymore. Because <laughs> gift cards is like stereotyping the people that you love. You're just assuming what, that they go shop at these places instead of thinking of your own idea. And I don't know, I feel like, you know, because I got like six different gift cards to Hot Topic. I mean, I shop there, but that's not the point. I don't appreciate being stereotyped like that. So it's funny, because uh, whenever we, so, so I think 
if you want to get you know, someone you love like a gift, don't get them a gift card, just ask them what they want. So guys, have you ever become my friends or family? Um, that's funny because all of you are my friends. <laughs> so guys, if you ever want to get me a gift, just feel free to ask. Just feel free to ask what I want. And I'll tell you right now, I just want you to listen to my podcast. That's all I want you to do. And I can tell by looking at all your faces, none of you are going to do that. So I'm expecting a gift card after the show. Preferably the Hot Topic. And we're back with Amber Falter and Brian Doney. Obviously, we can sort of see a natural bonding over, you know, having both your mothers having passed. Can you guys talk about how you put the tour together and, and how that all worked? I mean, I saw, you know, the first time I saw Amber uh, telling jokes, she was already talking about her mom. Okay. And since then, I wanted to write with her and workshop with her. And eventually, she felt like doing that with me. <laughs> <laughs> the first night I met Brian, I had bombed and told a bunch of dead mom jokes at an open mic to college kids. Okay. Bombed so hard. But that's what's funny about Brian and I. I started telling, like, that was right off the bat. Right. The first things I, were, I was writing. And he came up to me afterwards, and I immediately hated him. I didn't like him one bit. <laughs> I mean, is that simply because he introduced himself and said, my mom's dead too? Yeah. And it's like, I don't, Yeah. I, I talk about that on stage, and I don't want to talk about it out here right it, okay. felt, it was really weird um but eventually this past summer we kind of rekindled um and had seen each other on the scene honestly it became it was on just like one night we kind of got drunk together it was like oh man if we went on tour what would we call it brian <laughs> and he's like i don't know my mom's dead and then we laughed really hard right <laughs> and no, then a couple I, days later no i said have you seen my mom yeah oh you just you just Your you just album title you were just plugging my cd again but Sorry. i appreciate rather that. than the tour but no yeah no <laughs> screw uh, this tour no we were when we were right well when we started writing together it was just the most natural workshopping that i've ever experienced and i i think the same thing for amber too and and how does that work like actually like the nuts and bolts of it like do you guys just say here's two hours of time and we're going to sit across the table from each other and we're going to say these are ideas I've had or this is something that I'm like I think this is funny is it funny how does it work yeah it's kind of a pitching back and forth of joke ideas um sometimes we'll send each other our sets from previous shows or open okay. mics that we've done we'll listen to them write down notes be prepared for the next time we meet up to workshop we also give each other time to write during those times too sometimes we'll just give each other five minutes to write something out or to jot a few more things down and we'll just keep building it off of each other well and the uh, virtue and of that really is sort of the accountability of like this is your time to write not the time to do the laundry or make right. yourself a snack or watch tv it's really like this is you're accountable to actually get the work done yeah, well, you can't you can't call comedy your job if you're not going to spend time actually preparing for it. Right. And one of the biggest rules in workshopping too is that wherever, like, say, I have a new joke, okay, and we're 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 building it. I had a few good lines. Amber comes up with a better one. She helps me with that. That's mine. Okay, that's one of the biggest rules in workshopping. And same thing for Amber too. Like. If she has a new joke or a new premise and I give her some good ideas, even though in that workshop I came up with them, it's only because she had the first I the first thought. 
And that's the mutual understanding in any workshop if anyone wants to do that. Okay. And it doesn't have to be just for comedy too. Like I workshop with a few poets that I know too. Okay. When I have the time to. And it's 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 good. It's good to do that. It's good to get outside your head and also share your ideas instead of just putting it in the folder or, or filing it away for another day. Right. I feel like there are a few comics that are avidly against like workshopping. Okay. They're like, no, this is my idea. And if I can't get to that point, like it's not mine. Okay. Um, which I, I, they don't feel as true ownership over it if someone else is contributing. Yeah. But at the same time, it's, uh, I don't know. It's the same as like getting good feedback after a show. Like, Hey, maybe you should try this. Right. Or it would have been really funny if you did this instead. And it's like, I I feel like no shame in that at all. Um, Right. It's just really like, well, but from an, audience member it would be a little bit like hey dude sure right i guess i'm used to open mics with like other comics kind of right. stepping in but i have had audience members give me ideas some I'm, not okay right? <laughs> and that's okay yeah okay but, I, I would but say, yeah it just yeah. really expands like bringing these dumb little things like quippets in my phone like sometimes i'll look at one like all right well like, let's see what i'm bringing to the table and it's just like the dumbest thing and i don't remember what i wrote it down for yeah so it's it's good to sift through the the dumb stuff right <laughs> i don't know it's it's also just i mean it's good to just have people like sometimes i don't get a specific line from amber or whoever else i workshop with sometimes i just get a new train of thought a okay. new direction just to have the possibilities open up because i it, it's been said too many times to ignore this kind of bit of advice about how when you're working on something, it's best to take a step back and get a different perspective on it. Right. And I think workshopping really provides that opportunity. Um, for a comedian who is set on the idea of writing your material all on your own, I would argue that even if you are writing by yourself, how are you editing? How are you improving it? It's because you're going out to open mics to see if it's funny yet or not. So you're getting feedback, but it's just not as direct as it would be in a workshop. Yeah, and instead of just having no idea coming into it, um, like going into an open mic, because think of it this way too. Comedians spend hours every night to only practice for five minutes. Um, So those opportunities are really valuable. So why wouldn't you want to be more prepared, think of other ideas, just be as prepared as possible before you spend that night, spend that opportunity. Right. Especially if you're someone who can't go out every night. Can you talk about sort of the Columbus comedy scene as a whole and sort of what you see? Brian, you've been doing it a little bit longer. Amber, you're sort of, I think it was said probably roughly about the time that you got going that like Columbus finally has a comedy scene and there are people that have in fact sort of grown up here cut their chops and then moved other places and to varying successes. Can you sort of give a snapshot of what the Columbus comedy scene is like now? So we have whiskey bear comedy. Mm -hmm. How would you describe that? That's more of our, well, so there's, there's a few different, um, when I started there used, there was only about a couple people that were running shows around here. Okay. Um, And you're talking about, uh, open mics. Uh, uh, I was or th- even curated. I was gonna say, well, I'll say open mics and also curated shows, okay, um, variety shows or just stand up showcases. Now there's a few different assets. There's a uh, whiskey bear comedy, which has been doing really well with uh, roast character shows. Okay. Um, there's also Shadowbox has been much more supportive of comedy over the years since I've been a part of it. 
I don't know before my time, but I, I, I just keep seeing more support for the stand up scene and for the comedy scene. Right. They put on, you know, uh, they put on one woman, they put on the one woman show with, uh, uh, Sarah store, uh, from hashtag hashtag does a show every week. Um, every hashtag Tuesday. is the improv troupe. Yes. Okay. And then there's Tuesday shows at Shadowbox as well that are different shows every week and comedy related. I actually was there on election night doing a live podcast uh, covering the election. So they provided a great opportunity for us and, and really helped us out with that. Um, there's also uh, shows uh, being run by Buckeye Stand Up Comedy Club, which is the an Ohio State approved stand-up organization putting on shows okay. providing opportunities for students to learn how to be stand-up comedians so the scene has gotten really kind of diverse and you know and and there's there's specific uh groups that we communicate with each other with on now uh as comedians some are more private so it's hard to join them unless if you are a comedian but right. there's a lot of good open communication i've been seeing more workshops i've been seeing more collaboration happen and each year it feels like more people are trying to do this so it's definitely growing and the diversity of it is it could be better um but it's a lot better than what it was and even for for what are some of the frustrations that you're experiencing i i'd say open mics okay i go to other cities for one like week and i can go to so many mics okay so the importance of an open mic to a comic is just constant practice right. and again feedback. Um, so, so open mics should be more like trivia or karaoke nights. Yeah, there okay. there need to there need to be more available. Um, th- it's a problem with consistency, I think personally. But that's some that's m- one of my frustrations. You mean mm-hmm. for the venue to commit to it, or it, it, I, I for because the two big ones that you yeah. guys have referenced are Shrunken Head has an open mic night. Which night is that? Monday. Monday night. And then Barrel Forty Four sort of took over the night that Surly Girl used to have mm-hmm. on Wednesdays. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so what do you mean by consistency? Is it the consistency in the quality of comedy or is it the consistency in the turnout that that happens? I would say the turnout and okay. the um, the idea of like other nights. So what if like I'm free on a Tuesday night? Um, there's bossy girls, right? Uh, yeah, bossy girls on Tuesday. Um, but then Thursday night there's Zenos, which how does that go? Zenos on Thursday. Zenos is is more of a ha, ha, purposefully has bro brand, comedy. It's very bro comedy, and it's oh, also. Oh, I was ver- joking. Okay. No, it is, and it's also, <laughs> but it's it's a good room for comedians to to meet each other and to and to talk. But it's definitely kind of aligned itself as more of like a, a, a of a networking place instead of focusing on just putting on a good show. And that's simply by virtue of the size of the room and the layout of the yeah, room. Yeah, like I'm not. It's not a bad thing. It's just the way that it is. I would um I I, I would I would say to to piggyback off of Amber with with the the consistency of having shows up is just the fact we need more comedians willing to put the time in to be a host okay. to branch out to be more than just a five minute or 10 minute or a 15 minute act, uh, learning how to host is a very important skill. I think I used to run an open mic at my school and you know, whether the show, whether the turnout was good or not, I, I have to keep it going. I kept it going and I, and I did as long as I could until I graduated. Well, and by host, I'm just going to sort of insert and guess what you sort of have to do. It's basically taking over the promotion for it taking over the signups and, and sort of slotting everybody in in an appropriate way 
and then introducing each one and keeping the levity and sort of keeping the night going. And if not a whole lot of comics show up, you've got to keep it, you know, keep, you have to have at least enough banter to keep it going the whole night. Definitely. And it's also a matter of connecting with the audience that's there and telling them that, Hey, you came out here tonight and that's what makes this special. That's what makes this show good. And that's why you guys are going to have a good time. That's how, I mean, that was my, that's my stipulations for the hosts that I've put on for this tour, uh, too. And, and we saw that last night with, uh, with Christine Horvath and, uh, you know, just, you know, we're, we're awesome because we came here tonight and this is going to be one of the best shows that you'll ever remember. And I, 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 and the people that were there last night definitely said that they were like, we appreciated you guys putting in all this time and effort for us and to make us laugh, especially considering how things have been the last few days. So, right. Well, when we are recording this on Thursday, we would should say that when you say last night, it was the kickoff to your tour again, inserting a little plug, the finale for your tour will be on December 5th at the Garden Theater. Tickets are available and information at briandoney.com. Yes. So I would also say, too, to just finally answer your question, I think the biggest, <laughs> sorry. No, no. I love, I lo- meandering is the point. Okay, good. Um, is I, th- I think the, the, the real change that needs to be made for the newer comedians to really learn from the, the, the to really learn from how we got to this point mm-hmm. is because some comedians just started saying, I, I stopped asking, why am I not on shows or why aren't these shows happening? And then just, just made them start to happen. Um, you know, again, Blunder Doug, Dustin Meadows, Tom Plute, Nick Glasser, uh, Nikki Winkleman mm-hmm. are all people that have really been helping build the scene and actually been providing those opportunities. So I would say to any new comedians or anyone who's interested in comedy, instead of asking why, just start asking how, I would right. say. Right. Thank you guys so much for being here. Anything else that you guys wanted to plug that's coming up for you? Yeah. Well, thanks for having us. This was really, um, it was really nice to kind of talk about um, something other than the tour or just specifically the <laughs> right, tour. Right, right. So that was nice. Quarterly, I put on a show with Pat Deering, a part of Stand or Columbus Stands Up for Choice. Okay. It is a show where we rotate clinics that we raise, raise money for uh, per quarter. So this quarter on November the 15th, uh-huh. uh, we will be raising money for Women Have Options Ohio. It's a local clinic who helps raise money or fundraiser that helps raise money for women who cannot afford their reproductive healthcare. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's always a humongous, really fun, beautiful turnout. Okay. We do it at Ace of Cups. It's at 8 to 10 p.m. Okay. Um, that's coming up then. What day of the week is that? Tuesday. So that's coming up. Actually, if you're listening to this podcast on Monday, that's coming up t- uh, tomorrow night. Yep. And then is there a December one or do you just do it quarterly? Just quarterly. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So um, it's always such a good time. It's just like a big feminist party and we just accept donations at the door and all the money raised goes to women have options ohio great brian you got anything else yeah i uh i've been uh people who are familiar with me know i have a a few podcasts going on um trying to help build up the podcasting scene to help give comedians another voice and another way to reach out to people and and audiences i uh i have my own called what's the deal with creativity which i do monthly and it's about discussing the creative process so if you enjoyed what we were talking about with writing yeah i have a lot of really great comedians on and other great writers and artists uh from columbus and i'm just asking them the how and the why of when they're creating their work right um the the other show that i'm uh, part of and produce is called filibusted it is a political uh show where uh well 
kind of political show. We discuss uh, difficult issues, which includes politics. We just had our live election show at Shadowbox that had a very nice turnout. We're hoping to do more live shows like that. And uh, the last one I would like to promote is uh, the Babes to Know podcast with Christine Horvath. Okay. Um, she just brings on some of the best people you could find in Columbus, the Babes, and they're people that you should know. And all three are very fantastic shows that I'm more than happy to be a part of. Great. Great. Well, again, thank you guys so much for your time. Good luck on the tour. And we'll see you back here on December 5th. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your local comedian. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a good week. <laughs>